Yeah, man. It is great to have you back. It's nuts, man. You are the one. This is uh, putting you in your own league. This is a third time you've been on the podcast, bro. It is. Yeah. Um, so, hey, summer just came to a close. What uh, What have you been up to since since the end of summer 2023? I just bought a house. So <laughs> that's what? big. Um, a lot of stress. <laughs> a lot on the to-do list. But... Yeah, just just moving in, looking at buying a new car now as well. Um, but just taking care of the boys. What's, it. what's wrong with the mini? <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good for uh, the summer, but you know, I kind of want a different daily. I like it though. It is it is a nice car. The guys like it too. Everyone loves the minivan. Hey, we'll we'll get it. We'll get into the minivan later on, man. Yeah. Um, but hey, the there's there's hype around like you kind of going through this story of this summer. Obviously, we we all saw it from the outside looking in in our industry. Um, and so if somebody just asked you, hey man, what was the the 2023 story for you like? What was this past season um, like for you? It was um, it was gratifying. It was exhausting, um, but it was um, it was spectacular. It really was a lot of fun. Like I said, a lot of, a lot of work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. But um, yeah, like you, you know, every, every summer we uh, we end the summer and always talk about you want to have zero regrets. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Looking back on it, <laughs> I don't regret much at all. You know and and having that feeling, I think there's no better feeling in the world than having a feeling of no regret, you know, knowing that you gave it your all. And uh, to do it with, with some of my best friends out there, it couldn't get any better. It makes sense uh, looking at the consistency that you demonstrated. You know, that, that makes sense. No regrets. So walk me through your mindset going into the year. And then, hey, tell us a story. Yeah, so going into the summer, um, obviously had really big goals, big team goals, big personal goals. Um, and I remember it was, uh, I, I talked about this at Pro Bowl and presentation, but I texted Mike Sautel and I'm like, look, uh, I'm willing to die from exhaustion this summer. Like that, <laughs> that set the tone early. I think that was April 27th. That was that text. Um, so yeah, r- right there, you know, I kind of came to terms with myself that, um, you know, every single day you have to leave it out there for the guys. And there, there's n- there's nowhere you can mess up. There's no slacking off. Every single day is 110%. Why does it matter that there's no slacking off for the guys? What do you mean by that? Um, because when you bring a team out and they all look up to you, the minute you slack off, it's just it's a downward spiral. You know, if they see you slack off and it could be the tiniest thing, they're going to 10x that. You know, we talk about this all the time. Um, guys take 10% of your good habits, but they 10x your bad habits. Right. So um, just having that mentality going in because, you know, I had a, I had a big team. Um, I, I, like every, you have to be careful. You have to be careful what you say, how you act, when there's that many eyes on you. Um, and I feel like I've definitely, you know, and you mess up and you make mistakes, but you learn from them. You don't lose, you learn, right? So with that understanding going into the year, what did your schedule look like? What was your routine, your regimen throughout the year? Yeah, so every uh, every morning, um, wake up at 6 a.m., uh, cold shower right away. Um, from there, just in the savers. So, you know, meditate for a couple minutes, write down some affirmations. Today's going to be amazing. You know, you're going to change some lives today, whatever it may be. Uh, visualize. I looked at a vision board every single day in the summer um, of what car I wanted, what house I wanted, you know, stuff like that. And it's funny, we were talking about this on our manager call yesterday, how, um, you know, if you have a vision board and like you just look at it every single day, eventually those things become true. Um, it's, it's really crazy how visualization works. Um, <clears throat> what were, there, before we move on, what were a couple of things you were visualizing? Um, my boy's going to Cabo for top 10 rookie. I really wanted my guys to go to Cabo for top 10 rookie. Um, this, this is something I visualize every single day. I'm like, okay, just make it, you know, every single day is one step closer to that podcast with, with JMF. So, um, I feel like that's something I do really well ever since like a very young age. I've always, 
had a, had a really good crazy imagination like very vivid imagination mm-hmm. um and it's good for this job because when you let your mind wander and you know inside your head there's a car the house it's just going to continually continually push you you know to, mm-hmm. to work harder so yeah visualization and then going back to the routine um how do you retain that focus so a lot of people will have something they desire right and then they'll, they'll think about it you know, maybe at a routine point, but how do you keep that consistently throughout your routine through the day? Um, in between doors, you know, and having a, a picture on my iPad. So you know, let's say I knock this door, it's a door slam. Um, I have things written down and a picture of Michael Jordan on my iPad, just to continue to push harder. And, um, because I feel like it always has to be there. You know, it is hard if you're not looking at a picture just to imagine it. But having that um, that physical image can put you in that state, mm-hmm. uh, a flow state, we call it. So, yep. okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. So from that point in your routine, uh, moving forward, so you visualize, you have your board daily that you look at. Yeah. Um, what what else? You Cold do? shower, all those things. Um, and then I go to reading. So, you know, reading during the summer, there's one thing I talked about. I think last year, last couple podcasts, how I want to, um, you know, uh, continue to be a student during the summer. Mm-hmm. So reading. Um, what were a couple of things that you were you were reading through the summer? Um, Think and Grow Rich, um, and even a couple other books I already read. Um, Living with the Seal by Jesse Itzler. You know, that's, that's just, an entertaining book. That's the good one for the guys. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to continue to grow during the during the summer not just you know sales skill wise but um mentally you know emotionally stuff like that and mm-hmm. mindset wise um after reading um go to the gym um i went with ben bania every single day um we wouldn't do anything crazy in the gym it was just like it was just more of like discipline going to the gym just to go and do it every day so i say we'd go there for 20 minutes max stretch push-ups pull-ups then walk back did you guys do that from day one, you and Ben? Yeah, every single day. Hey, shout out to that beast. Yeah. No, top number three, right? Number three rookie. Number three yeah, rookie. for yeah. a reason. The guy's insane. Learned a ton from him this summer too. Um, just, you know, you can kind of feed off each other with your different routines and plug and place different things. But, yeah, I go to the gym um, because, again, the gym was on the, on the apartment complex, but it, it was like a far walk. Mm-hmm. So having that discipline to walk, even when it's raining, you know, just – constant routine is, is really good doing the same thing uh get back eat uh, i door dash every day in the summer it was like a it was like a breakfast sandwich it wasn't too unhealthy <laughs> where'd uh, uh where'd you door dash from uh bagel express yeah bagel express okay so uh just breakfast sandwich you know something light um some fruit every now and then you know and then from there um <coughs> and then from there um eat and get dressed. Uh, we'd read the scrolls every day. So Augmentino. Mm-hmm. Um, every single morning in our apartment, we'd read the scrolls together, or you know, in the car on the way to the meeting. Do you have um, a Do you have a favorite scroll? I will live this day as if is my last, probably, because that's one I live or die by. Yeah. Every single day. Um, and then from there, get dressed. I visualize again. So I talked about this before, but I visualize my knocking path. Got that from Ethan Bodker. Um, that helps a ton with your, you know, anxiety on the doors because essentially if you visualize your knocking path, go out to knock your first door, you already know where you're going. And it's so easy. Like, okay, all I have to do is walk this path, knock these doors, whatever happens, happens. And that is my mindset every single day. Okay. So from there, so from the gym, getting ready, getting your food, um, the scrolls are after scrolls are after, or so I, I'd visualize first by myself. You know, take I take five to ten minutes just literally walk in with my knocking path, and then um, scrolls. Then we leave. Okay. Yep. So you get get to the meeting, and one of the things I really want to touch on is there's a lot of fascination with the culture uh, that you guys had in Philadelphia this year. What was it like going to the meeting every morning? What was what was the atmosphere? Yeah, I, I literally got chills just just right now thinking of it. It's it's cutthroat. You know, um, we're not here to to play games. We're here to take over, and you got that. The minute you walked in the meeting, you got that mentality. Hmm. Um, guys would be, you know, role playing, um, but whatever we're doing, you can just feel it. 
you know, you can feel, okay, I'm surrounded by cleaners, you know, and that's palpable. Yeah. And I think that's really hard to, um, to kind of create. So shout out Brent for creating that culture. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, the minute it turned eight 30, we're, you know, clapping it up and, and doing numbers. Um, but yeah, everyone's in their seat locked in and focused. That was, uh, yeah, I experienced that when I flew out there to visit you guys. Experienced that. It was phenomenal. Um, as far as, okay, so from the meeting, the the competitive nature is it was unparalleled when I was there, what you're talking about, the energy in the room. Um, before we get to what, you know, what your pattern was like after that, tell me about what, what was one of the competitions that, that, you know, lives in your mind still from the year, like whether it was a throwdown <laughs> Thursday or what, what, uh, what were those competitions that we should talk about? <clears throat> That's another good thing to mention because um, these uh, this group of guys and girls was the most competitive group I've ever been a part of. Mm-hmm. I've been a, a part of a lot of sports teams, a lot of different sales teams. Um, these guys love to compete and hate losing, and I I freaking love that. Uh, so yeah, one one uh, competition sticks out to me specifically, and, and that's Tyler Santana. It was uh, it was a Throwdown Thursday, and um, he, uh, he called me out and I, I said, you know, when I beat you, I'm going to, you know, you're going to have to buy a carton of eggs, a gallon of milk and, you know, a bag of flour and I'm going to m- turn you into a cake. Wait. Okay. So first, <laughs> so, okay. So first describe the moment getting called out by your rookie, right? Like, Oh, how'd that go? that go down? I know, you know, how yeah, goes. Yeah. so it just flips a switch. Like you are like, you don't hear anything after that. Mm-hmm. From the minute you get called out by your rookie, uh, dark side activated, dark side activated. Um, yep. So I had to, I take I took him out that day too, and I dropped him off first. And you know, obviously, when you drop all the boys off, hey, go kill it, man, go kill it, go kill it. I was just locked in. Like I don't even remember dropping anybody off. So I, I get to hood and, um, yeah. I mean, I ended up beating him. I think I had, I think I had like seven that day. He had like four or five, so it was respectable. Sure, sure. Um, it's ballsy too. So shout out to him for time. <laughs> it's, it's ballsy to call you out. Um, yeah. So that was fun. And then I got to turn him into a cake. Maybe we can put a picture up on there on the, on the screen. 12 eggs. Uh, yeah. 12 eggs yes. right to the head, um, flour, milk. And then I saved a little bit of the flour cause you want to stick, you know? That's right. And these are, these are individuals, uh, that, that agreed, are agreeing to do he this. Agreed to the punishment. Yes. You yeah. Know? Yep. They didn't so, have to. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Love that. So let's let's jump back into uh, the routines from the summer, okay? So after the morning meeting, first of all, is there anything that stuck out to you, particularly outside of the hyper-competitive nature, people being locked in, um, really, truly <clears throat> locked in, looking to like, hey, what can I ingest here? What can I add here? And then and then go out and deliver on that. Um, anything else that comes to mind about those meetings? Um, just the camaraderie. Uh, every Everybody got along. Um, there were no oddballs. Everyone was involved, mm-hmm. which is, I think it's, it's kind of tough sometimes. Cause I feel like you're always going to have those, those, you know, those kids who are lone wolves who are a little bit shy, but, mm. um, with everyone being bought in, it makes it so much more fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, after the meeting right from there, um, everyone hopped in the minivan. So I took, I took five guys out consistently. Um, who were who those guys? Um, Ben Bania was always with me. Joe Turner, Zion, um, Sanjay, and HD. Okay. But, and yeah. then, so you jumped in the mini. Did you guys make a stop <clears throat> on the way to Hood? You guys oh, no, never any stops. I don't to, know why I would ask that. <laughs> so straight to Hood. And then, um, you know, dropping that many guys off, it takes, depending on how close you are, it takes anywhere from like, you know, whatever the drive time is, and then I'm talking about like the added time going to the five different stops, probably like 20 to 30 minutes sometimes. And then, you know, I would knock my first door like 10 45, 11 ish, 11 a.m. So we're still getting to the area a pretty good time. Okay. And what, uh, what did that minivan, the people you were consistently taking out, what they end up producing over the summer in revenue? 2.1 million. They call, called you guys. Other people called you guys the minivan mafia. Minivan mafia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Now, now the minivan makes more sense for the listeners, right? Why, why you still got that? Yeah. That in the garage. Um, okay, so dropped them off. Um, 
what was your your day like? So you start knocking 1030 to 11 o'clock. Um, I know everybody has their own routines and patterns, how they knock. What uh, what did yours consist of? Yeah, so get to area, start knocking, um, just signs of life. I, I'm, I'm a big believer in signs of life. So, you know, mm-hmm. only garage doors open, whatever, um, until like 3, 3.30. And from 11 to 3 or 3.30, um, you know, I'm, I'm just expecting phone calls and texts and everything because you're going to get that, mm-hmm. you know. It's something you have to come to terms with, you know deal with it continue to produce deal with it continue to produce that's just a constant thing you have to have to deal with over the summer so to you know in one of those situations one of those examples where something significant popped up right what was something that you would do was there anything consistently you would go to in your mind to just get you back in flow state on the doors yeah um kind of using that for your um production because let's say you know let's say a guy has 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 to get moved for some reason um you go out you know you have to let's say he has to he needs like a ride you know because if it's prime time i make people uber but sure. 11 to three thirty, i'd go pick him up uh, i drop him off and then like knowing that he saw me take time out of my day to go do that for him um i need to do even more and produce for him because now i know his eyes are on me because mm-hmm. I had time off the doors. So he's thinking the whole time, okay, how is he going to respond to this? And that just pushes you so much harder, you know? And um, like majority of my big days, it would be where I have to move a couple guys and go back in the area. So just really leaning on your guys, um, having your guys as your why, onto why you're producing, why you're working hard. Um, that helps out a lot when you have to deal with, you know, whatever it may be. Devil's advocate here, right? Uh, hey, man, I just I just need to produce, okay? Like, I need to produce. I need to be left alone. Like, they can, like, like don't bother me. That's what I'm here for. I'm, I'm here to knock doors, all right? Um, what, what do you, you know, say to that perspective? Quit being selfish. Like, having a team underneath you, like, this is, like, it's a lot of pressure on you. Mm-hmm. Like, you are like these guys put their lives in your hands like they they really did like some of these guys man this is all they got like this is literally all they have you know Mm -hmm. and just to be that person who is like well you know whatever like you said i you know i just need to focus on myself and produce and i just i think it's so funny because when I first had a you know big team come out, I, I loved it because it just it pushed me so much harder, you know. Because your first summer as, as a rookie, we we preach on having a solid why, mm-hmm. having a solid why to push you when the days get tough. Having a team underneath you, that's your why, man. Like mm-hmm. that is your why. I love having a team because I, I'm never tired. Like I I never feel fatigue because these guys are looking up to me. And knowing that in the back of my head, I, I can't not work. I can't not produce. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's something I feel very, very strong about. Like if you're, if you have a, a, a massive team underneath you and you're just using that as an excuse, like that is just so, extremely selfish. I believe what, what I just heard you describe is uh, leadership. The flip side of that coin I want to also address. So there's the perspective that does not serve a leader, I believe, where, you know, I just threw that out there, right? Where it's like, hey, it's just about me. The alternative perspective is somebody that allows themselves to uh, neglect their their personal production, right? Because they, you know, I believe these people are coming from the right place as far as their intentions go. I think that they're, you know, they have goodwill. Yeah. Um, but they can find themselves so far away from where they want to be with their personal goals, right? And so that's that's the flip side of the coin. What what do you think about that perspective? How do, how do you address that mentality if you've ever come across it? Independence equals growth. You know, mm-hmm. the whole mission statement is we believe in propelling you to the next level of your life. And, you know, you want that out of your guys. You want to propel them to the next level. When you're constantly coddling them, showing up on, you know, pulling up on them when they're knocking, like you are inhibiting growth. Like you really are. 
you need to let them go do their own thing um because that's also you know it also trickles down because they see that so when they have a team underneath them they're gonna do the same thing mm-hmm. and you know if you're not growing you're dying that's that's really all it is so um and as a leader sometimes it is tough because you want to be there for your guys so much and you want to show up every single time mm-hmm. but at the same time let them go do their own thing let them figure it out and that's going to create problem solvers and there's nothing better than problem solvers uh the the trick is to thread the needle right of those two things that's yeah, a happy medium right mm-hmm. you don't want to be so selfish where you don't you know you focus on your your personal goals your personal revenue that you completely disregard them but you don't want to be with them every single day every single hour um coddling them so uh, one thing i would do is i would kind of split it up from 11 to 3 30 um if if they really need me to pick them up i would if they hit me up where they're like oh i have cops on me i need to ride. like i need a new hood like no like go a couple streets over you know figure it out yourself so it's kind of like if they hit me up twice i'd go deal with it but from 3.30 to dark, phone's off. Figure it out yourself. And um, that's where you can kind of see that growth. Hey, what was your per rep average for rookies just as far as, you know, uh, how, how did this work? I think it was 180. 180 for rookies? Yeah, 180K. Winning formula <laughs> might be. Yeah. Um, all right, so... When I want to jump into a couple of questions that I have here. All right. So what time did you, did you knock until each day? Yeah. In, in New Jersey, um, it, go, it does get dark a, a lot earlier during the summer. So I would say uh, 830 to 845 consistently just okay. because any later than that, you know, you're going to run into issues knocking. Start out. Yeah. Yeah. And then later in the day, did you say it's, you know, 820, did you look for signs of life or were you just purely knocking the next door? Yeah. Signs of life and call, callbacks, you know, but I would, uh, like when it was really dark, I'd still walk around just looking for like garages, garages open, send people sitting outside. What, what was your favorite way to set up a callback? Um, so yeah, they just say it's it's a really bad time, you know, whatever, blah blah. Like they're they're actually really busy. Um, okay, what's the latest absolute time I can come back around? And they would tell me that. Let's say they say seven. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's let's do like let's do closer to eight, you know, because I'm still I'm gonna be busy at seven, something like that, you know. Okay. And they're like, okay. Hey, no, that's a- and then I tell them if you hear a knock on the door when it's dark out, don't panic. It's me. Okay. Noted for everybody listening there. Um, all right. The, the other question that I have for you that once again, a lot of interest here, um, to, to recapture, um, the situation here, Philadelphia did 15.4 million set a new industry record this year. And shield was also something that, that Philadelphia won, which is very interesting given the amount of people on that team and the challenges that come in place of trying of everybody getting on the same page towards one cause when you get that many individual parts. So, um, what was Shield like this year? What was the atmosphere like uh, what, leading, leading up to the championship? Yeah, we knew we were winning it the whole time. It was there was no doubt whatsoever, and I, I feel like instilling that belief um, from the start is extremely important. Because um, I mean, flashback really quick to my first summer. That's how it was. Mm-hmm. Brent talked to me. Okay, when we win Shield, we're going here. I mean, windshield, we do this. And, you know, we talked um, right after Pro Bowl 2022, and we're like, we need to do that again. So I think that helped out a lot, instilling that belief early. Guys came in, um, they were pumped about it, and we'd constantly bring it up. Uh, In the morning meeting, every single morning, I would say, repeat after me, we are Shield champs. We are Shield champs every single morning. but again, it all falls back on the culture. You know, you can say you're shield champs, but um, you, you don't you don't rise to the level of your your talent or your affirmations. You fall to the level of your systems, and our systems were put in place perfectly with our morning meetings, our rules, our commitments. Every single guy was knocking late. Um, you know, even during I'm talking about during the summer, not even shield, and just having that early 
you know, because we were knocking shield hours throughout the whole summer. Mm-hmm. So shield rolled around, and we're like, okay, this is nothing new. We just have to lock in even more, you know, um, because if you're working, let's say, you know, you're working hard Monday through Friday and Saturday, you know, like a lot of offices did, they got off at four or five, even earlier sometimes. Mm-hmm. When you come to Shield Week and the expectation is a knock later on Saturday, your body's not used to that. Your mind isn't used to that. And that was a, at a huge advantage for us because that was our anchor. We were anchored at that. Like, okay, this is nothing new. These guys can't hang. Um, and that's why you saw Saturday, we, we pulled away. I mean, it was like Friday and Saturday, but it was done before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, the, no, the the feeling though, the momentum, the the actual the actual you know taking of the soul of the other team that that feel like Friday was where they started. It to. just creates that confidence, you know, and the confidence that you know we can't be touched. Um, and I have to go go back during the summer because we actually lost um, one matchup against the other New Jersey office. I, I was I was literally shocked. Yeah, I, kudos to those guys. Yeah. Um, but we say all the time, I've already mentioned it. You don't lose, you learn. And I think that was the best thing to happen to us because, uh, it was just a, you know, a tiny little thing. It was a quality metric by like a dollar. We need to get that up and we would have, would have beat them. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, Jack, a lot of people talk about it, man. Like, like a lot of people talk <clears throat> about winning shield. I understand what you're talking about with the 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 cultures that you've been a part of that that the the belief was there on a unified level but i mean what's the what's what's the differentiating factor every every team they started every team started saying this that they're shield champs and you know because this is something that we've talked about before right that then still that belief what's the difference between a team that just you know they they could talk to their rookies and say we're going to win shield too man like why did you guys live and breathe it like why did we see what we saw versus the 10 other teams that also told their guys, Hey, we're going to win shield, you know, this year. Obsession, obsession. Um, I mean, you think of like Kobe Bryant, it's like, okay, why did he win that many championships? Dude was obsessed. Dude would train like crazy. We trained like crazy. We had our routines crazy. Every single hour during the summer, it was to win shield. And, you know, you say that and, other offices are going to be like, well, yeah, we, we took every single hour seriously too. No, you're on the lake Saturdays. You were going back home for whatever, maybe grad parties. You didn't sacrifice what we sacrificed. I think that's another point of it. We sacrificed so much more than any other team. And if you really want to sh- win shields, you have to sacrifice everything for it, and you have to be obsessed winning it. Um, that comes down to so many little things, routine, hours worked, no lunches, you know, taking the morning meeting serious. Um, so yeah, obsession and sacrifice. And then, Hey, something else to, to, to touch on here. You just mentioned it Saturdays. That's something that in, in the industry, the, the bar was raised this year in Philadelphia. So, I mean, was that something that, uh, took place where, where guys figured out, it, during the year that you guys were knocking Saturdays, did you guys set that expectation during the interview process? Like what we, we witnessed it, what, what, what took place to have you guys knock until dark every Saturday or past dark? I mean, give credit to the managers cause that's where it started at, you know? And uh, I mean, truly Brent started that Brent started that my mm-hmm. first summer. Yep. I saw him knocking Saturdays late and you know, it, it made me do it. And then we go to Philadelphia, all the managers are doing it. The rookies aren't just to be like, okay, let's let's go home. Again, competitiveness. They're mm-hmm. they're competing. Oh, you're not knocking later than I am. Yeah, yeah. No, you're not. Let's see who stays out later, right? So, um, really, just just seeing all the managers do it and, and produce at a high level on Saturdays. I mean, we had some of our biggest days on Saturdays. It was so, insane. Saw it was that. Crazy. Was it the the fourth? Was it the fourth? What day am I thinking about? Uh, Memorial Day. Memorial Day was our I think our second biggest day. Um, was the fourth on a Saturday this year? I think it was. Was it? Tuesday. The, yeah, appreciate you, Fredo. <laughs> the fourth of July was on a Tuesday. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, it's like it's like when you think about it, you're in a different state on a Saturday night. It's like like Saturday evening. What, what else are you gonna do? You know, we put that mentality into place early. We did bring it up at like the first Saturday, um, and I think I, I like. I, 
I think Brent was talking. He's he like laid out numbers from Saturdays of the last year. He's like, look, um, I made like 20, 15, 20k more just knocking those extra whatever three hours it may be on Saturdays, mm-hmm. and that flipped the switch. So like, okay, yeah, why wouldn't we do that? You know, so hey, uh, Brent's a cleaner. Yeah, yeah, man. You guys got some some beasts. You got some beasts around you out there. Amazing leader, awesome guy to work with. Yep. Hey, uh, what happened with the chair? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, yeah. <laughs> the Philly office is down a couple chairs. I uh, it was funny. So before uh, Shield Championship week, you know, we went to the I think that's was, was when we went to the Phillies game. Yeah. And then we came back to our office in New Jersey, and the whole office was there. So I think it was like 80, 80 guys. And, you know, I, me and I think it was me and Nate, we put together a presentation, and me and Brent. And, uh, you know, I'm not the huge rah-rah type of guy. Like, I do numbers. I get guys hyped. But to get him locked in, I don't think there's a guy better for that than Brent. He is amazing at um, getting guys at peak state mm-hmm. to listen. Yeah, he is. Amazing. Uh, one thing I need to work on. Um, so I <laughs> – I was about to present in front of like, you know, 70, 80 dudes. And I was trying to, you know, really make this super important. You know, it's, it's very important. Shield championship week, blah, blah, blah. And I, I whispered to him, like, I'm like, come here, man. I'm like, I need you to throw another chair. <laughs> I'm like, I need you to get these guys locked in. So uh, <laughs> he takes a chair, throws it across the room. Listen up right now, and um, yeah, it went really well. <laughs> and guys, listen, obviously. Hey man, that's that's um um watched watched him over the last like year or so really to come into his yeah. like stage presence. Yes. Um, and hey, Brent, it, he also got bigger. He started working out. That helps a lot. That, too. that helped too, man. So, um, all right. So I want to jump into a few questions uh, that I have for you, um, and and the the first one. So I just want to go through. Uh, your first, second, and third year, if there's like a primary lesson that you feel like you got from each one, so your rookie, your sophomore, junior, what's the primary takeaway that you had that you carried with you to the next year? Yeah. Um, First summer, uh, probably um, abundance mindset, abundance mentality. Uh, I really learned that for the first time. Um, Yeah, just, I would even say like taking risks too because rookie year rookie you change the most you literally come in as a different you know you come in and then leave as a different person so i would say i learned um about abundance i i learned um to take risks second year um i would say um sacrifice i really learned to sacrifice a lot um, a lot more than I did my first summer and to be successful you have to sacrifice a lot um, and towards the end well I would even I would even say this is the probably the third summer one um, belief definitely belief believing um, you know you can do whatever you put your mind to um, no that was the third summer summer three yeah um and belief. I had something else to my Where'd that belief come from? Like the understanding of belief and the, the submerging into it. Um, it actually came from the end of my second summer. That's what I was saying. Because at the end of my second summer, my August, I sold 170K. Mm-hmm. And I really believe I could, you know, do 600K the next year. And I talked to Gaines um, at the start of this last summer. I texted him in April. I'm like, look, man, I've been talking to Avery and Oren, a bunch of other guys. I'm like, what does it take to um, to move yourself from that 300K, 400K mark to that 500, 600K mark? Um, and he said belief. It's like one word, belief. Believing you can do it. Because at the end of the day, that's that's really all it is. And it sounds kind of corny, like, oh, you can you can do whatever you put your mind to. Um, but that that is so true and I think it's hard with, with door-to-door just because of the rejection you're facing. Like, especially on those days where I was getting my teeth kicked in when I, I wouldn't have a sale by, like, 2, 3, 4 p.m. Um, you know, greeting the day with, with love and um, just just really giving, giving back. Like an example, I was getting my teeth kicked in, and 
I knock this door. She she shuts me down or whatever. Or she said uh, she said yeah, this is my business. Like it's not my home. I'm, I'm like, well, what are you talking about? This is like a residential place. And she's like, oh, it's like um, a home for a charity. Like a home. She does a homeless charity. Okay. I'm like, okay, like let me you know let me donate. I try to do that as much as possible on the doors because I'm the biggest believer in a good karma. Like mm-hmm. everything I, I give, you know, it comes back around. Um, so I donated like I think it was like twenty bucks or something. It wasn't anything crazy. Um, just because I was like, okay, like take away from the doors really quick. You know, just be a person. Like even though you have zero sales, it's not not a big deal. And then after that, I went like back to back to back. I really switched up this year that I think a lot of reps don't do, which they should start doing. Um, when you have that homeowner, the interaction, and it's like deeper in the sale, it's like you know 10, 15 minutes, um, and they're on the fence. They're fifty fifty. And you're trying to close, trying to close, and the deal ends up falling through. Happens to everyone, you know, where you spend a good amount of time and mm-hmm. they just they're just saying no, they don't they don't buy. Ninety nine point nine percent of sales reps would interact negatively, whether it's okay, man, take it easy, or just storming off, or just you know, not saying anything bad to them, but having bad body language, negative energy. Mm-hmm. In those scenarios this year, I really tried to just express like overwhelming love. Uh, like, nah, I, I really can't do it, man. Hey, no, no worries, man. No worries. It, it was really nice meeting you, though. Like, take care. Have have a good rest of your day. I didn't catch your name. Blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. And more often times than not, after I had those interactions, within the next five doors, there'd be a, a deal waiting for me. And I, I feel like that's so important because. A lot of times those interactions, they make or break the, the rest of the day for that, that sales rep. You know, if, if that one falls through, they're just going to look at their rest of their day negative. Like, I don't want to spend time with anybody now, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that might be an overreaction, but it's so important to greet every interaction with love. And that is the single hardest thing to do in door-to-door. I mean, Gaines says it all the time. What's the hardest part about this job is... Um, uh, hitting every door with the same enthusiasm as the first door, mm-hmm. right? And that that goes hand in hand with it. Hitting every door with the same amount of love. So I challenge all the the reps out there this next summer. Try that. Try hitting every door with overwhelming love. Whether it's a door slam, it's a deal, a price sheet, or just uh, an interaction where it takes twenty thirty minutes and it's a no. What about the uh, the times that it pops up on on sales route there that you just had? multiple cancels you know from the day before how did you uh uh perceive you know that situation yeah definition of this job is control what you can't control and that's something i live or die by um and you can go so much deeper with that abundance mentality okay you know three just canceled okay there's six more deals out there i just have to work harder so cancels don't really affect me honestly cancels kind of affect me positively because I'm like, okay, I'm a pretty good salesman because they, they didn't want it. Right. <laughs> and I just closed it. No, that's the truth. That, yeah. that's, that's the truth. And that's right? what a lot of rookies don't understand. They're like, oh, dude, you know, it's like, it'd be like their first day and they have a cancel, which is, is awful for them because it's their first day. Sure. It's like, look, man, that's actually, it shows you're, you're doing really well because you signed somebody up, you know, that, that kind of backed out. It means you're a good closer. Mm-hmm. Do you have a rival of any kind, like throughout the, the year that you, that you keep close to you? I got another another sales rep in the company. You know whatever that means to you. Is there is there somebody that you let yourself compete against when when we need that edge? Yeah, this last summer it was just uh, it kind of sounds cheesy, but it was my future self. Like every single day, I I compete against myself. You know the version of myself that I see myself as. I go out and chase it because um, I I put my future self. I have. My mom says a lot of times I'm, I'm too hard on myself, but I have really, really high levels of expectation for myself. Mm-hmm. And I, I almost feel like um, saying putting myself on a pedestal sounds sounds wrong, but like I'm, I'm going to chase him. You know, that version of Jack that is the, is the best version of himself, that's my rival. So do everything you can to get there, you know. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on social media? And uh, like 
the way it impacts you. What, what are your thoughts on social media? I mean, it, there's two sides of the coin, right? It can be it, it can be used positively, um, but I would say the majority of it is negative in today's uh, society. Um, with the <laughs> the scrolling, they just <laughs> they uh, they trap you in. And um, Brent actually did a really good presentation on this. I remember that. Where you know, once you're when you're scrolling, every time you scroll, it's a hit of dopamine. Dopamine, dopamine, dopamine. And it's that instant gratification that causes you, like it's scientific, it causes you to feel depressed later. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, you know, everyone's been there scrolling for five hours and then you, you, you know, you put your phone down, you feel awful. There is no sense of reward from that. When in reverse, doing other habits, um, like cold shower, I, I, I mean, I, I know you're the big cold plunge guy, but I've done cold showers two and a half years now. I, I literally haven't, met, like Monday through Saturday, I've done cold showers. Wait, but it's cold, man. They're talking about like different things with dopamine, like cold showers, the dopamine is like, it lasts 2.5 times longer than like your average, whatever it may compare it to. I think it's like social media or whatever. Oh, it's insane. Yeah, that's nuts. So um, going back to social media, it's it's a trap like it really is so what i do is i set screen time limits i allow myself i think it's an hour and a half per day between um instagram and snapchat and i've never been like been like a big social media guy like everyone like in my generation they watched youtube growing up i was never a big youtube guy like i really never was because i don't know it just it seemed pointless to me what about hey one thing so I want to push back on that pretty hard because not because of like YouTubers are getting into that, but for people that want to understand how to work out, there's a cheat code. You go to YouTube. I got chest and triceps. I don't know what to do. Chest and tricep workout. That's how I learned. Like that's how I learned yeah, so yeah, many yeah. different things, but I never watched YouTubers because that seemed like such a ridiculous waste yeah. of time, but it's a good way to put it. But yeah, like in, there's, there's, um, but I use, I'm part of the, yeah. When YouTube came out, I was like, are you kidding me? I don't have to. I don't like have to have to go find somebody that knows this information. I can literally just look up a specialist yeah. to tell me that. But I was, no, outside of that, <laughs> I agree with you. Outside of that perspective, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and I feel like that's why uh, they created TikTok and Instagram Reels because it's a fifteen second commitment instead of watching a 30, 20, 30 minute long video. Mm-hmm. It's swipe fifteen second video, swipe ten second. Like it's just it's really appealing, and they do it scientifically, like to get you know it's for their it's for their app. But a lot of people don't realize, like, dude, you're a trap. Like, mm-hmm. I, I challenge people out there to delete social media because, I mean, that's what I did all summer. And um, you, you feel so much better as a person, uh, mentally. Like, dude, if I'm on Instagram all day, I just feel like a, I feel worthless. <laughs> like, what is my purpose? Yeah. You know? And it's, it's such a, they, they say also, it's such a mild dopamine hit. It's not even significant. It's yeah. just that you get used to it, right? Um, I have a question for you. Okay, so if you need to know the answer to something you don't know, what do you do? How much creatine I, should you be taking if you're going to take creatine? I go to my network first. Network first? What do you consider? So you ask a random person about that. So, hey, you, you need, um, you want to know about creatine, uh, how much you should be taking, I find someone who is uh, who works out a lot, who is into fitness, and I ask them about it. Okay. Because you have to, with everything, you have to consider the source. And that's the other thing about social media is a lot of these sources are unreliable. Yep. You hear so many reels and, and TikTok videos, and it's these guys saying the most ridiculous thing, but people are going to believe it because it has 500,000 views. You know, that doesn't mean anything. Like what's the credibility? That's why my favorite thing about about EcoShield is the network. I I did a training on this last year. I was like, before EcoShield, there were zero millionaires in my phone, in mm-hmm. my phone contacts, and now there's now there's probably like fifty. It's a good about. That's that's a really important thing, right? Consider consider the source. So if you want to know creatine, you might find somebody that looks healthy that's been working out for a long time that you know that about them, so they got sustained health and strength, you would qualify them. And then you'd ask that person first. So you don't have somebody 
uh, directly that you could ask that question to what, what would you do next? Like, I don't know anybody that, that has mastered this. I'd go to Google, honestly, before social media, Google before social media. Um, how do you qualify whether something's a reliable source in Google? I don't know where I'm going to get here. Yeah. I just, uh, it's a good question. Um, I mean, I, I did well in school. I mean, I was in college a year, <laughs> so I know how to differentiate the sources, but it's funny because you, uh, you asked, okay, if you can't find a credible source in your network, where do you go? I don't think I've ever like not found a credible source in my, in my network. Like thinking about it now, it's like any question I have about anything, I can find it through my network. And that's why they say your network is your net worth. Mm -hmm. It's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And that is so powerful. Yeah. Yeah, we're lucky. Extremely lucky. Um, so basically, you can find answers to the questions that you have in an in information the information world that, that we have expands your network, find, find people that are qualified in, in disciplines that you want to <clears throat> become proficient at touching off that. Um, you know, I think of two people when we're talking about this, Jesse Itzler and Ryan Serhant. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. Cause I just read, um, I, I mentioned Jesse Itzler's book already. Um, and we just, I just read, uh, Salt Lake Serhant for the, the third time. And, mm -hmm. They both talk about this, how it's like Jesse would, would just try to create so many friends, like anywhere he goes. Like he, he, writ random, he wrote random people, like, can you be my friend? Like, that, he emailed yeah. random strangers. <laughs> like, I want you to be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but that expands his network. Um, it's funny because Jesse Itzler is a, a huge role model of mine. And I was, uh, I don't know if I told you this, I was DMing what? him the other day on Instagram. I was having a conversation with him the other day. With Jesse Isler? Yeah. Hey, man. I was trying to get him to speak, public, <laughs> public speak at our, uh, at our MDP. But it was, it was crazy. Um, and then Ryan Serrant, same thing. He, you know, we know his stories. His, his first year of real estate, he made nine grand. That was 10 years ago. Now he's on the brink of being a billionaire. So I think he's, he's the most famous real estate agent in New York City. And he was, he was telling, like, he's just explaining the story. Like everywhere he go, he just wants to get to know people, mm -hmm. just get their phone number, you know? And that is so powerful, especially when we're so young, because, um, you're surrounded by so many different social groups, you know, whether you're in college or not, uh, wherever you go to bars, get to know people, get your name out, you know, expand your network. Um, that is something that I feel like differentiates the successful people that I know from the people that could have been right. Um, you know who the best person is? Well, there's a, there's a lot of people that are really good at that that we know, but if you want to learn how to do that, man, talk to Dan Clark for a minute. It's, abs it's absolutely <laughs> wild to see him go from meeting somebody, shaking their hand until, you know, within like five sentences, he's doing like one of the laughs at like a family reunion or whatever, like in the circle of people, yeah. and they're, they're like best friends. That's, um, that's something we, yeah, that's something we should always strive to, to get to that level of communication skills. Um, all right, Jack, I want to get to a couple of questions that were submitted off of social media. Trey Buckley would like to know what are the best tips, uh, for a second year to go from producing 200 K to 300 K this next year? Uh, realizing that your your summer starts now, you know summer doesn't start April twenty fourth or or May first. It, it starts right now. So put your habits into place, um, create your routine, and uh, just build a massive team because your team's gonna. Like I, I credit I, I credit all my success, my personal success this year to my team. Like I, I tell them all the time, like I I couldn't have done it without you guys. Literally. What's Jack's all time favorite book? Uh, yeah, so my, my all-time favorite book is uh, Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. What's the biggest difference between an average rep and a top 10 rep? The difference between an average rep and a top 10 rep um, is obsession. Top 10 reps are obsessed with everything they do. Habits, work ethic, training, building your team, whatever it comes down to. Um, they don't make excuses average rep average reps make excuses justify 
multiple things why they didn't do this why they didn't do that um and then sacrifice i think um average reps don't sacrifice anything really they, they just go out there for the summer and they say they work hard but top 10 reps are willing to sacrifice anything for the summer to hit their goals what was the average home value you think you knocked in pennsylvania um the average home value that i knocked in pennsylvania was probably 500k 450k there was uh the the days that i was over there right the, the day that i went over there hold up so what was going on i had uh i had some um somebody uh ethan livingston was in the car he's doing some video work and i saw that you got one sale i saw like a, a green star pop up and i was like oh let's go and so so we like drove straight to where you were at after i saw that because i was like jack's about to pop off you just got one um and that like, i believe you like sold most of that entire street that day and he, he recorded several of them but the thing that that stuck out to me was that those homes those homes were about as low income as i see people knocking for eco shield homes do, do you remember what i'm talking about that yeah, street? Yeah. They, were, they were not extravagant they didn't have nice cars in the driveway what what do you say to the perspective that hey man this this is like a, a hood that you know they just don't they don't have the money for this what i say to people who who complain about low income hood high income hood it's just the hood doesn't matter i've sold 900 square foot homes i've sold 9000 square foot homes it, it does not matter and i think that's another thing that i realized um this last summer being a leader like it, it really like you have to preach that to your guys because it really doesn't mm-hmm. like like this year like i said my average home value was like 450 500k i knocked five million dollar houses i've knocked our cutoff was like 300k you know in philadelphia um, which is a bit different because yeah. the, the home value is 300k there is is not what 300k here is no a lot different um but there's buyers everywhere in every single hood it doesn't matter if it's poor rich big small doesn't matter if it was knocked if you're knocking with solar if you're knocking with a pest control guy there are five buyers in every hood you have to believe that i've uh, i've heard guys say that of uh, in philadelphia like i know jack would have sold at least five people in this neighborhood and so that's that's something that they've heard over and over again man it's a point of belief at this point um another question for you is What's the best way to keep pushing after a long day of no's? Yeah, I mean, the best way to keep keep pushing after a, a long day of no's is, is really just to fall back on your why, you know, um, because the only way you're going to you're gonna end the streak of no's is to get a yes. Um, so do whatever you can just to, to keep working. And I laugh at this question because it's like, like okay, you know, if, if you're thinking about you know, how do I keep going after a long day of no's? Um, you need to have a reality check with yourself. Like, okay, it, like it's not that big a deal. Like everyone has long day, days of no's. It's just, it's the truth. I, uh, this, this year, I think there's a day where I had zero sales at like 5 p.m. And then I, I ended with like six or seven. So, you know, take, take that as advice um and fall back on your why just keep pushing what did you do to have two top 10 rookies and a high team per rep average preseason and summer in order to have top 10 rookies on your team and a uh a high rookie per rep average um there's a lot of things you have to do uh, number one i think is controlling what you can because you have to realize that um you can do as much as you can for your, your rookies if uh if they don't apply everything you, you give them it, it's you know it's up to them at the end of the day you can lead a horse to water but you can't make them drink mm-hmm. right so one just be extremely blessed that you know you got lucky with, with those individuals um and two just set the best example you know um have the best habits uh, don't say anything negative out loud. Um, and that'll all trickle down to them. Uh, create a culture within your team 
and get them to compete against each other. Uh, every single day, my guys were competing against one another, and that's why two of them ended up in the top 10, you know. So again, just to sum it up, control what you can, um, do everything you can for them, and that kind of trickles into uh, setting the example, you know, lead by example. Uh, the people want to know, what does Jack Cameron do for fun? <laughs> Uh, man, people, people ask me this all the time. So, uh, what I do for fun is I, I work harder. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, that is true though. No, it's funny. So many people ask me like, what are your hobbies? What do you do for fun? Um, I love, I love playing basketball. Um, I've always loved it since high school. It's tons of fun for me. Um, I love working out, but in reality, um, I've always wanted to run a business and I've always wanted to help people out. And EcoShield allows me to do both. So I think what is your hobbies? What, what do you do for fun? EcoShield is what I do for fun. And it makes me think of a quote, uh, winning is, is more fun than fun is fun. What does your morning routine in the summer look like compared to your off-season routine? So my morning routine in the summer compared to my off-season routine, um, during the summer is uh, wake up at 6 a.m., cold shower, uh, you know, meditate, write out affirmations, visualize, um, read, and then journal, and then, you know, quick workout, 20, 30 minutes. It's the same exact thing during the off season. Um, I do wake up later, uh, this year it's 7am. Um, I think last off season was 6am, but this year I'm trying to put on more weight and that requires more sleep. Mm -hmm. So 7am wake up and then same exact thing, cold shower, um, silence, meditate, affirmations, visualize. I read more in, in the morning now compared to the summer because we don't have much time during the summer. Um, and then I also work out longer. Like, you know, a 20, 30 minute workout during the summer is it's pretty much just stretching, push ups, and pull ups. Right now it's an hour, hour and a half long doing push pull legs. That's my split. So, yeah, same exact thing except longer workout and more reading during the off season. How do you keep your rookies motivated when complacency kicks in towards the end of the summer? Yeah, so when complacency kicks in around July, happens every single summer, they're going to look for excuses. And the one excuse they can't have is my manager isn't producing. All right. Uh, what made you want to pursue an uncertainty sales job instead of school for medical school? Yeah, so before EcoShield, I was going to, uh, to Oakland University. Um, I majored in biology uh, with a concentration in pre-med. Um, so the whole goal was to be a doctor, to be a surgeon. That's, that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I had my, my sights set on it. Um, and, you know, really what it came down to, you know, in, in college is I, I wanted to help people out. I wanted to be successful. And I wanted to earn a high-level income. Like, that was a goal. I knew I could do it. Um, little did I know that there were other ways to accomplish that in a shorter amount of time without the debt. So the reason why I took a risk on, you know, uh, a sales job with no guaranteed pay is a couple different reasons. One, uh, because of the mission statement with EcoShield, that's what really attracted me. Um, you know, we believe in, in propelling you to the next level of your life. I, I heard that and it kind of, it kind of flipped a switch in me. I was like, okay, this is what I want. Um, and I feel like, you know, maybe med school being a doctor could have done that for me, but I didn't want to wait eight to 10 years. Um, and I just want to become a better person. And then the other, the other reason was I simply bet on myself. You know, I remember being in college. It was my my second semester, my first year, and it was just. I woke up one morning and I looked myself in the mirror. I'm like, Do I want to do this for for seven or eight more years, and be in this much debt, mm. and be stagnant? Because yes, you're gonna earn a high level income as a doctor or surgeon, um, but you're not gonna have much freedom, and that's another thing I was looking for. You know. I want to spend time with my family when I'm older. I want to spend time with my kids. You know, I don't want to work for somebody. I want to work my own hours and 
ultimately I want to retire when I'm 35, 40. Now we say retire, I'm, I'm never going to be done working because I love working, mm-hmm. but I wanted that freedom. And when I weighed out the options, um, you know, becoming a, a doctor or a surgeon, it didn't give me that freedom. You know, surgeons, they're, they're working 50 to 60 hours a week, Monday through Friday, you know, sometimes Saturday, like, and you retire when you're, you know, 50, 55, um, maybe earlier, but at the same time, I will bet on myself a hundredfold. I don't care what it is. Um, the confidence I have in myself uh, to, to get the job done and, and provide for myself and my family, no matter what it is, I, I know I can do it. Because at the end of the day, it's your ethical duty to be successful for your family. And that's something I, I realized at a very young age. And no matter you know, what route I take, um, I will always bet on myself. Did that degree of confidence, um, was that a part of, of your understanding always, or was there a moment in time where that became part of you? Yeah, I, I always, I always thought that way. Like I always had the confidence that I'm going to do well in life. And, um, like even my parents growing up, they, they planted that seed in me. Like I, I knew I was special from a, from a very young age, looking back at it. Like I knew I was going to do big things. Like I remember being in, in first, second grade and I was telling my mom, I'm going to buy her a beach house, you know, and to have that mentality of that young of age, um, it, again, I was really hard on myself growing up just because I don't know, man. It's just, I, I knew I could, I knew I was going to do great things. And I like, I believe that I was put on planet earth to, to serve, to help other people and, um, to provide for my, my family. Like I said, you know, so I, I've always had that, that confidence and, uh, eco shield just really helped me exploit that. Um, you know, and I think that's why I do so well at this job because I've always looked for this vehicle, you know, um, growing up, I thought I was going to be a, a, a star baseball, basketball player that didn't work out. So I was like, okay, maybe the med field, um, and then eventually eco shield. And again, when I heard the mission statement, like it was, it was crazy. Like in my mind, an explosion happened. I'm like, okay, this is for me. Yeah, I think the, the biggest piece of advice I give to, to individuals between the age of, of 17 and 22 is uh, be careful who you take advice from. Uh, why, why do you say that? Uh, because nowadays everyone's got mentors where they tell them to go do this and go do that. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, is that mentor? Is that where you want to be in life? Um, for example, let's say you want to own your own business and you're taking advice from an individual who's never owned their own business. Just because someone loves you, it doesn't mean they have the best advice for you. Uh, what's the biggest difference between top producers, average producers, and low producers? Yeah, what I've noticed about low producers is they're, uh, they just show up. They just show up and they do the work when they're asked to. What I've noticed about average producers is they do the work all the time. What I notice about high producers is they do the work all the time at 110%. So that's the biggest difference. How does one prepare for a 600K summer? One prepares for a 600K summer in a lot of different ways. I think number one is habits. Your habits have to be dialed. Um, Every single thing you do on a daily basis has to go towards that goal. So cold showers, morning routine, reading. Um, I think 600K reps uh, read a lot more than 400, 500K reps. Um, and then going you know, into the summer, um, they have a willing to die mindset. They go out there uh, and their work ethic, they're willing to die from exhaustion. They're willing to give everything. They're willing to empty, to empty the tank every single day and sacrifice whatever it may be to uh, hit that goal. What have you noticed is one of the biggest mistakes that people with a natural talent are susceptible to that keeps them from being, you know, as successful as they can be. You hear about successful people and successful people always feel inadequate. They always do. 
they 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 think that you know whatever they're doing is not enough no matter what the goal is that's why you see them continue to grow and what i've realized is talented people they don't have that quality because they feel adequate with the talent that they have so when you're comparing talented people to people who are coming up with a an amazing work ethic but no talent i will bet on the work ethic person 100 times over just because yeah the talented person they might start off you know whatever it may be above them because of their talent but the person with a killer work ethic always catches up if you can do both that's game over yeah yeah because i think I, I i talked about this last last podcast um it was jimmy rex um he said uh three three uh traits successful people have and this Dude, I heard this. I, mm-hmm. I love this video. Give me chills. Yep. Number one, they know they're special, right? Number two, um, inadequacy. They always feel inadequate. Mm-hmm. And then number three, their ability to focus on one thing. When you have that trio, you can focus on something. You know you're special, but at the same time, you feel like it's not enough. That's just going to push you so far to the top of the mountain. So what's crazy is, you know, I finished the summer. Um, I come back to Michigan after Labor Day. I think I, uh, you know, September 4th or whatever, go see my girlfriend, go see my parents. And then I eventually go see the house and I'm driving and it's down this like private, private cul-de-sac. And I, I take it right and I'm like, wait a minute. Did I knock this my rookie year? Cause my first summer <laughs> I knocked in Detroit. I'm like, no way. So I pull in, I'm like, oh, I definitely knocked it. It looks crazy familiar, right? So um, eventually I had one of the other guys come over with the Detroit login and uh, sure enough, he opened up the map and there were stars on the street from me. (laughs) It was was August, my first summer. It was Shield Championship week. Wow, you're knocking your first year and you're you're buying a house on that, that street. So I sold the neighbor, not right across from me, but went over to the right. And I, uh, I went over to introduce myself to the neighbors. And um, I was talking, I'm like, you guys use EcoShield, right? And he's like, yeah, you guys are awesome, blah, blah. And I'm like, um, do you remember that, that guy who knocked your door? He's like, yeah. I'm like, that was me. And it, it was crazy. <laughs> really, really cool moment, full circle. Wow. Yeah, so it was, it was pretty awesome. But um, it's just nuts, you know, knocking a, a street my, my first summer to, to buying a house on it after my third Never would have thought, man. It's a crazy moment. Hard work pays off. It always does. It always does. Hey, man. Uh, really pumped to, to have been able to have, have you here. Thanks for coming in. Uh, what's the what's the game plan for 2024? Uh, goal is 12.5 million as a team. Um, personal goal. I've been dabbling with this a little bit. Um, I'll, I'm gonna come out and say I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna sell more than I did last summer, so I want I want 600k I want a six at the beginning of the number so 600k personal, um, three top ten rookies on my on my team I want three guys in Cabo, um, I want um, three three new partners on my squad three new partners, um, and then the game plan is just. Uh, just being obsessed, man. Continue to be obsessed. Learn more. Uh, get hungrier. Work longer hours. And uh, do the little things right. I'll see you next year. Yes, sir. Let's do it. Mm-hmm.